Welcome into Poke the Bear episode 91, the Mark Savard episode. What could have been the Mark Savard episode? It is, it's still like really uh, annoying that his career came to such an end so quickly. Because you, I mean, if you imagine what he could have ended up doing, I mean, what he did in just a short time with the Bruins, but what he would have done over five, six more years would have been incredible. Um, and you wonder what that means for Krejci or Bergeron or uh, Rich pa- or, or like Chris Kelly, but I mean, it meant for those guys going forward. But anyways, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. As we uh, record this as the Red Sox are getting killed by the Tigers. Uh, yeah, not great. See that. Not great. Not the greatest of times uh, for your Boston Red Sox. But fortunately, we're not a Red Sox podcast, so you can go somewhere else for that. This is Bruins. And uh, we will start with kind of the latest on the injury front, because now you got three Bruins who you're kind of worried about in the sense of Hampus Lindholm, Matt Grizzlick, and David Pasternak. Bruce Cassidy spoke after practice on Tuesday um, and didn't really give any new updates on them. Said, I thought both would be a little farther along by this time. Uh, So they didn't play Tuesday night, obviously. Uh, Doesn't feel like they'll play Thursday either. Does feel like Matt Grizzlick could play Thursday. What is the latest on those guys? Yeah, uh, as you said, I think uh, Grizzly seems to be the one who's closest to a return. Um, Seems like it's something that he's been dealing with most of the year in terms of it's more just managing. And Cassidy mentioned that Grizzly, even though he's taken his fair share of hits, um, it's something that he's battled through before and it tends to bounce back pretty quickly. It'll, you know, looks bad and then kind of gets back out there. So they're not overly concerned with him. Obviously, I think if you go into a playoff series you'd be worried about just how much he's going to hold up there but i think you saw in that game against the capitals on sunday just how valuable he is so hopefully he's back sooner rather than later um and then for pasternak and Lindholm, yeah not not exactly that great right you imagine i mean both those guys were skating they stayed on the road trip uh so you imagine all right you know a few few days off for them get them back hopefully at some point in the next uh starting this homestand uh, I believe Steve Conroy, the Herald, said that both Pasternak and Lindholm were out there earlier today uh, on on Tuesday before morning skate. So that's encouraging. But it seems almost like, you know, they've mapped out their recovery and it's like, all right, they're getting here and they've kind of just plateaued a little bit before they get, yeah. you know, the green light to get back out there, which, um, you know, yeah, as you said, Bruce Cassie said a little bit further along or, you know, it's taken a little bit longer than they expected. Um, also added that he doesn't think they're out you know, it's a long-term issue. Um, so for your, if you're the Bruins, obviously I think you'd probably like a little bit more clarity or of course have them back out there, especially uh, you look at just some of these matchups uh, coming down the stretch here, whether it's the blues, you got the penguins uh, coming to town. Um, love to have those guys back, especially who knows how that game would have been different against the capitals. If you had Pasternak on the power play, that's in an over 16 rut and how much Lindholm would help just in terms of transitioning the puck uh, and getting them out of the offensive zone. So um, yeah, not ideal, but also it seems like even if, you know, let's say Pasternak and Lindholm miss this homestand, I don't think it's like a long-term issue that they're hoping for. Maybe if you want to spin a positive, it gives them a little bit more rest and you hopefully they get back to hundred percent by the time you get to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, again, the positive of this is these regular season games, not to say they don't matter. They do matter, but you're not like kind of feeling they don't matter. In, yeah, you're not fighting to get into the playoffs. I guess it's more just seeing where you see it. So you don't need Lindholm and Pasternak over these next 10 games. It's more so you just want them healthy. So if that means resting them, 
then as we've said a couple of times now, like, I guess you got to rest him. So going to be interesting to sort of follow that uh, over the next few days. Hopefully Grizzly back soon. Hopefully they're all uh, back at least by the playoffs. It feels like though, there's enough time before the playoffs start where they can, you know, if they're skating now, like Lindholm and Poshnok, if they're skating now, you have to think come the playoffs, there shouldn't be any major setbacks by then. You'd think that the, that it would kind of, uh, you know, grow towards that as the playoffs begin. So keep you updated on that. Remember to follow all the stuff at Boston sports journal. Cause they're going to constantly update you on all the injury front uh, over the next 10 games. Always fun to, for the injury stuff. Uh, but speaking of fun debates, uh, the seventh player award is coming up and uh, it's always given out the end of each regular season. It's always an interesting debate on who should win it. We have three people each. We feel have legitimate cases for it. I think the first person we say is probably the person we think should win it most. Uh, at least in my book, that's what I'm how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna rank mine one through three, pretty much. Um, I it hurts me that I can't do Nick Ritchie. Uh, pains honorary me. member, honorary it submission. Should be it should be renamed to the Nick Ritchie Award in my book. Um, I think fans should uproar for that to be the case. The Nessa Nick Ritchie Seventh Player Award rolls off the tongue. It, it does. Um, it does. It rolls right off the tongue. Connor, I will let you go first. Who do you have as your seventh player uh, right now? Uh, I, my guy is a little bit of a dark horse uh, in that. Also, I believe he's one. So maybe that takes that and maybe knocks him down a little bit. But I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Charlie Coyle, actually, as a guy that I think should be getting recognition. And of course, you look at how great he's been. Um, on that, you know, third line center role and how much he's helped bring the most out of that grouping. Um, but even when you look at his play earlier in the season, when he was on that second line, was he the best fit with guys like, um, you know, like Taylor Hall? Probably not. But even then you look at just the way he played and just how like assertive he was. And the fact that his production was still there. I think if he stayed when, when he finally got bumped off of that second line, I think he was still on track for like 45 points, which is kind of a testament to him that that, I mean, that line, you could say right away, was out of whack. Like, they just didn't – they didn't play out each other's strengths that well. But still, he was producing. And I think you look at, especially for him, where he was last year, uh, Coyle with that knee and how much uh, how much of a difference that offseason surgery has made for him. I mean, he looks like the same exact guy that I think Bruins fans saw back in the 2019 Cup run for most of 2020. Um, just a guy that especially where he is now, where you can kind of exploit those matchups further down the lineup – He's just a, a puck possession monster and such a key, uh, a key matchup nightmare, I think, for the Bruins. And a guy that if the Bruins go far in the playoffs, Charlie Cole is probably going to play a pretty big hand in it if he's driving play on that third line. So a guy that, you know, I think he won in 2020. Um, and, um, you know, there's plenty of other guys. It's a good issue when the Bruins are doing well. It's uh, it's a good thing that there's a lot of guys that should be up for the seven player award because you don't want it to be a year you get to the end of the season. It's like, all right, well. It's not really a seventh player award, but is it going to be like Bergeron? Like, you know, it's like one of those <laughs> things that remember like in, in years past where they'd always do the seventh player award, it would be like the most obvious guy. It's like best yeah. player is, is what it used to be. It's gotten better over the last couple of years. Like you had Richie last year, you had Wagner in 2019. So fans have, I think kind of caught on, but it's usually if the Bruins have a lot of guys up for grabs for it, it means you have a lot of guys pulling on the rope, contributing outside of your kind of core a group of players. So I'll go with Coyle for mine. It's good that we have six legitimate people here and more yes. actually. Like, I don't think yes. it's just these six. I think a lot of guys have cases. Did Halak ever win it? Like I don't believe so. 
but I, feel I like think I think been his year. yeah, it would have been 2019. But that was like Coil, local guy, and again, I, Wagner or Wagner was good that year. I think when he won, so it was already like 10 goals, fourth line role, but provided what you kind of needed out of that spot, right? And helps four goals. Yeah, yes. definitely held the local part always kind of helps these guys. Uh, might help a lot in Coyle's case this season. Uh, the, the other thing you mentioned with Coyle that was interesting was he was producing well. I remember when we were doing those podcasts back in October, November, when a lot of guys were not producing offensively. It was always like, you know, Charlie Coyle is actually producing where he should be on the second line. It just isn't meshing with Hall the way that we thought he would. Um, definitely something important to note there. Uh, my first pick is going to be who took over for Charlie Coyle on the second line. That's Eric Halla, who I guess was a late addition to the seventh player voting, but it's yes. still like, I think should be the guy. Uh, you just look at how terrific he's been between Taylor Hall um, uh, on that, on that second line. And now David Posternock and how that has just meshed. And Halla is again, like we kind of thought Halla was going to be there to just like pick up the loose scraps, but he's actually been like, doing a really good job scoring goals, setting plays up, driving play at times. Like he's been terrific um, on that second line. He's kind of proven at least from what we've seen, proven us all wrong by proving that he is kind of a second line center. Um, So to me, I think that's a perfect example of someone who stepped up when you needed someone to step up on that second line. You know, you lose Krejci over the off season coils, not really a fit there, Uh, but Halla kind of went in, and has made an impact the entire time because um, he's been there since what? Like, was that like January that that move? I think it was made? January when he flipped over there and he's been dynamite, as you said. He's been dynamite. So uh, really safe bet uh, that he's turned out to be on that second line. But when we're talking really safe bet, safer than Aracala is the 2C and Charlie Coyle is the 3C. We talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. Right you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the Number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget the baseball is back and the start of the MLB season is finally here. Just don't watch the Red Sox right now because it's yeah, really good. No. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50, C-L-N-S-50. Bet online where the game starts. Starts. Where the game starts. Everybody is saying, by the way, where the game starts. Everyone's saying it. Everyone's saying um okay you're up next uh who would be your secondary person for the so i'm gonna go uh i'm going to go with the uh goaltenders but i'm gonna go with the one that probably is not going to get most of the votes and that's lena zolmark who a guy who started off very slow he's had kind of like a a tale of like four seasons he started off slow (laughs) kind of really carried you through like that like the doldrums of like november december where it was Swayman kind of hit a little bit of a rut there. You didn't know what was going on with Tuka Rask. You had the COVID wave, all this stuff. And I think during that whole stretch, um, you know, I think Olmark went, what, like 13, three and one. So helped you out there. After uh, Rask comes back, it's another pretty ugly downturn for four or five games. And then he's been money since then. And so, again, I, I think you look at whether it be kind of just the, 
the the new factor of him uh, fit, filling in there or kind of that slow start. You had this narrative forever that he wasn't worth it. And I guess it doesn't help your case when a guy like uh, Jeremy Swimman does so well. Um, and he's the, you know, the guy that's been crowned as the heir apparent, the guy who's stormed onto the scene last year. So Olmark was already kind of fighting an uphill battle. Um, but for all the talk about uh, Olmark and not being worth the money or what's the point of having him when you could have signed insert veteran goalie journeyman here for 800k um i think you're seeing now whether it be uh you know giving jeremy Swayman some time to reacclimate and get his game back in order or performing in these high pressure situations i mean he was money in that game down in tampa bay like he's proven his worth and even if down the stretch it ends up being jeremy Swayman's net again Olmark at the very least has been a steadying presence for this team, a solid veteran guy and a guy that in terms of being in a potential awkward situation, whether it be fighting for ups with Swayman, the Tuka Rass narrative has been on board the entire time, which I think should be commended as well for kind of handling it uh, in stride. So he gets my vote uh, for being a guy that deserves uh, recognition for the seventh player award. A great stopgap during those lulls for Swayman and the team where it's kind of like they're going different directions. And I think he's been good. He's been high when the rest of the team has been low. So I think that's been a good thing. Uh, I will go with the other goaltender. I'll go with Jeremy Swayman. Uh, You look at sort of, again, uh, you know, started the year off really well. Uh, You know, obviously had a really hot stretch when he came back from Rask's thing. And I think again, like looks like a starter. I know he's still, he's gone through his lulls during the season. That's expected for a rookie goaltender. I mean, remember Tukarask was up and down throughout his, the beginning of his career. Like, you don't just come in and just take the league by storm. And he certainly didn't do that. So I think it's really encouraging to see Swayman um, have these really hot stretches this year. You hope that, I think the Bruins hope that somehow that uh, this lull for him, he can come out of it right around the playoffs. And I think that's what they're kind of hoping for um, where again, if they're going to be streaky at different times, so what? Like, yes, you go with the hot hand at, the, at that time. So Swain has been terrific again, rookie of the month in February. You just look at just how good he was during that time, um, how steady. And again, like all season with Swain, it was always, he's not getting the top teams. He's playing, you know, the, the worst teams and getting wins. That's why his stats are so good. That changed when he came back um, after Rask's retirement. So uh, I would go uh, as a secondary vote for Swayman. I think swayman has been really terrific this year and definitely deserving of the seventh player. Uh, and, 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 and I also think that if you ask me uh, the betting odds of who's going to win, I think we disagree with who should like, who should win, but who will win. I would say probably Swayman has a good as the inside track. You think Swayman is going to be the if, guy? If, if, if we have predictions, if we want to put a prediction right now, I think Swayman will be the guy. Interesting. I don't think he'll be the, I think he'll oh, really? end up being either Coyle or Hala. I feel like it would be one of those two, but I guess I'll go, I'll go with my own. I'll say Hala. But that's yeah. interesting. That's way. Yeah, maybe. I mean, t- the fans love him. I think the goalie hug definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be a huge thing. Um, what if they both win it? What if both Swingman and Omar win and they do a, a big hug in, with like the seven player award in the middle? Then then the garden roof would explode and land yes. in Chelsea, like you said. The TD so, guy, not, not Madison Square guy. Yeah, we not MSG. Have this, we're not having this fight again. Someone should have replied, and this is kind of when you think about a great comeback after the fight, but someone should have jumped in and been like, it's not the garden, it's MSG. And have to be like, what? what? Um, but yeah, that would be epic. If it was Omar and Slave and they did the big hug and they picked up the trophy together after they hugged, that would be uh, 
That should be what it ends up Quite being. Quite a Kodak actually. moment. That is <laughs> literally, well, not, not, not Kodak at the Panthers game, but yeah. Oh, no. no. <laughs> not that. This is, PG, uh, this, is a, this is a PG-13 rated podcast, Evan. So. <laughs> this is going to be rated R. Um, anyways, that that kind of needs to be put in the stratosphere, Swayman and Olmark both winning it. Speaking into existence, yeah. Speaking into existence. They need to be absolutely even for that. Um, uh, who is your next person, your, your final of the three? Yeah, I think this one's definitely kind of an under-the-radar guy, but someone who I think has proven me wrong, and I'm sure a lot of other guys, is uh, Trent Frederick, who, Ooh, again, yeah. you look at where he's kind of fit into that spot um, on that third line, and he's kind of struggled a little bit since coming back from injury, but I think you're going to give him a little bit of time to get reacclimated out there. But for a stretch of you know a month, five weeks, six weeks, he was playing the best hockey of his career, and it wasn't, again, like he was reinventing the wheel or he wasn't, chasing guys around the ice, like looking for a fight. It was just letting the game come naturally to him, uh, being physical, um, you know, making the right sound plays, the, you know, not the high danger passes or anything like that, just winning pucks, uh, being assertive on the four check, you know, controlling board battles, all those things that go a long way. Um, especially when you've got a couple other capable veterans on your line when Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith. So, um, yeah, I think Frederick's a guy that in terms of maybe, what helps his case is just exceeding expectations. Cause I think for first few months of this year, it's like, all right, is this guy even a, a fourth liner? Like what, what exactly be doing with him in, in terms of what his role is. And he's really rebounded in a big way. And he's been a really important part of why that third line has clicked so much over the last uh, couple of months. If there was a most improved, I feel like he would win it. Um, feels like he's the most improved uh, in the roster and the one that I kind of exceed. I mean, I guess Eric Halla could as well, uh, but for again, like the expectations around Frederick first round pick, but probably like a fourth liner for a while, didn't even look like a fourth liner. So now it's kind of good for him that fitting on that third line, I could absolutely see him posting a really good case. Uh, as you just said, for the seventh player award, um, mine is a little out of left field. I'm going to go with Thomas Nosek again. Like that's a guy who doesn't get a lot of attention but has low key been the stabilizing force of that fourth line for months now. Again, like we say this every year, you have to have a good, you know, the fourth line has got to be good, especially with this Bruins team where they can shut other teams down. And he's been solid. Like I, again, the, he's not going to win this award. The points don't jump off the sheet. But you look at stabilizing presence. You know, we've, I don't, I can't remember the last time this year we were questioning who should be the center of the fourth line. You know, like it feels like he's been there all year. Uh, and a spot that was completely up for grabs at the beginning of the year. And also, Nosek can jump into the top six when you need him, right? When a guy goes down, he's the guy who goes up. So he's someone to me who, you know, he, again, he will not win this award, but I think he has a legit case for it. Um, and I think he's been extremely underrated uh, throughout this year and for what you've got from him. He, again, he's been a very underrating signing by, underrated signing by Don Sweeney this past offseason. So um, very good out of him. Uh, that those are our six. I don't think we missed anyone big. I don't think there was anyone that like has a yeah. huge case for it outside of those six. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's also, as you said, it's a good, it's a, a testament to the Bruins and just how balanced they are this year though, that there's other guys though, who have, you know, come on strong as of late, like Lazar has had a couple of really big games for the team. Uh, I mean, he feels like he's been like robbed of at least four or five goals, right. With some of the yeah. chances he's generated um, Craig Smith, who again was really slow to start out, but you look at what kind of turned the, the tide of that third line for like a little bit of a stretch there. They were possessing the puck. Well, they were generating chances. They weren't burying them. 
Craig Smith gets hot and all of a sudden those, you know, high danger chances start cashing in. So, um, I mean, you look at Grizzly, you can look at a few other guys. Um, it just, so many guys are pulling on the rope, which is great to see for the Bruins. And it makes it probably tough for a, a guy, someone voting for this thing. Cause there's a lot of guys who warrant some praise for how they're contributed to the overall group. Don't the fans vote on this? Isn't this yes. done through the Nesson website? Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. everyone, anyone can go vote for this. Yes. Uh, this is not like just us writers or anything. It's no. anybody can vote for these. Thank God. It would probably be screwed up. if It was just the writers doing it. So yeah, we, well, we would, we would try. We would, I would you know, Charlie Ol- Coyle isn't the only center. That'd be our, Yes, I would vote for Swayman. You vote for Olmark just so we can have like yes, you know, exactly. Even so they can end up getting it together. Yes, I like that. Course. I love that idea. Um, now we're getting to the top question: the Bruins still need to answer over the final three weeks. What, in your mind, is the biggest question they need to answer? Uh, I still think it has to be the goaltending situation and whether it's not just the fact of who do you roll with when you get to the playoffs with between Olmark and Swayman. Do you roll with a you know a, a rotation in net, which is very unorthodox for the playoffs, but wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for the Bruins to adapt that. But not just that, but also one can Omar keep up this, this stretch. Cause as, as I already said, he's had kind of these ebbs and flows with how his season has gone. So can he keep up this level of play and also Swayman who I, I think when he's on his game and playing at his top level, he probably gives you the best overall chance to win, but you need to get him back to that level, right? You can't have him playing, you know, have an 890 percentage over an extended sample size and then just drop him into a first round matchup against Carolina, right? Like that's not one you're in for a world of pain and that's not going to help out your young goaltender to, if he's fighting the game and you feed him to the wolves in that regard too. So um, I think it's that overall goaltending situation, not just how it plays out, but getting Swayman right and getting him back uh, locked back in is going to be key down the stretch here. One of the few things worth watching because otherwise God, this is a grind right now, Evan. Yes. Oh, it is a very big grind. Uh, the fact that we're making a, the fact that on Bruins, we made a whole storyline on Tory Krug's return uh, should pretty much say that in and of itself. To me, I think the biggest question, aside from who's starting in net, what are the D pairings? Like, again, the third uh, line, the third pairing on D, what is that? Is it going to be Forbert and Riley? Is it going to be Forbert and Clifton? Is it going to be Riley and Clifton? Is Josh Brown going to be in there? Like, I think that's a huge thing. Then I also have to think you have to figure out, you know, when Lindholm does get healthy, are you going to roll with Lindholm McAvoy, which who looked really good? Are you going to do Grizzlick and McAvoy who looked terrific? And then kind of see if Lindholm and Carlo can put it together. I think you have a lot of question marks there. And again, with Lindholm injured, you don't really have a lot of options to figure all these things out and Grizzlick potentially injured or Grizzlick injured, at least for right now. That's another thing. So I think there's a lot of question marks on D in some ways, though, it is a good problem, kind of like the goaltending, if if everyone's playing well, because you have options, right? You, you're not like, this isn't the 2017 lineup they're putting out against the Senators, where they were pulling, to, you know, Renee Rancourt to play on the third D pairing. Like, they, th- this is a better uh, issue. They have, they have uh, more on the depth chart. So um, that, to me, is the biggest question. I think you have to kind of figure that out. Um and maybe that's something that changes during the playoffs. You know, Forbert and Riley have a terrific game and suddenly they're together all the time. I don't know, but uh, you, you don't have a lot of time to figure it out because you do have those injuries to think about. Another question is, is David Pasternak healthy, right? His thing, you know, again, it's not like a thing that you can just fix. It's more fixed by rest. Is that going to act up in the second round this year? Like, 
I think, and that's not really a question you can have answered by the end of the season. So um, lots of question marks. Do you have any others that uh, are pressing or just the ones we said? I think just those are the main ones. I think the forward core, once everyone's healthy, obviously the Pasternak thing is a big question there, but you kind of know what you're rolling with and who the depth pieces are, or like a guy like bleed or, or what have you on the fourth line. Um, yeah. I think it's just, you know, solving that goaltending situation and the defense, I think, and obviously injuries. The last thing you want is more injuries to, to sprout up as much as I think people are really concerned because the Bruins have been playing so well. And now you have the injury bug kind of hitting you. It's also not like, 2018 where you know Kahlo goes down breaks his leg what two two three games for the season season was, ends yeah uh Kevin Miller I think he fractured his kneecap what that was the penultimate game uh, I think up in Minnesota so you're not having that yet which is good and you hope that even I think probably some Bruins fans are getting antsy the fact that you haven't seen a gradual progression with you know Pasternak and Lindholm at least they're recuperating they're not getting taxed being out there right now um and you hope by the time we get to the end of April, start of May, they'll be ready to go. Hopefully that is the case. Uh, Connor, that is his episode. Uh, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston's Sports Journal? Yeah, we're going to continue to have all of the, uh, s- you know, signature BSJ content, uh, you know, daily stuff with game reports, columns, previews. Uh, we're still working on a couple of features we hope to drop before the, uh, the playoffs get underway and that schedule ramps up. So all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a terrific rest of your day. Bye.